Welcome back to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm here to let you know that Pastor's Prophecy Hour is on a bit of a break this week. Greater Life Church had its annual members meeting when we usually record Pastor's Prophecy Hour, so for the next full episode, you'll have to wait until next week. In the meantime, I wanted to let you all know that the screenshots Pastor Andrew uses in each episode can now be found on our website. If you go to greaterlife.church media or click on the messages tab on the homepage, you'll see all our podcasts, including Pastor's Prophecy Hour. Clicking on an episode, you'll see an area with attachments. Those are the screenshots with a timestamp of how far into the podcast each image was used. Now, if you're like me and just can't wait until next week for some more biblical prophecy, I'd like to let you know about a mini series we did a few months ago called Prophecy of the End Times. The videos are up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash greaterlifechurch, or you can follow the link in the description to watch the full playlist. I'll leave you today with an excerpt from that series. In it, Pastor Andrew is going to be talking about a prophetic timeline laid out in the book of Daniel and possible ways the United States could fit into that. Enjoy. Say amen if this is a true statement. Are we closer to the end now than John was when he wrote the book of Revelation? Yeah? So we're a few thousand, couple thousand years closer today than John was. So I would believe that uh, Jesus will be coming back soon. How many of you guys understand that if it may not feel soon to us, for Jesus, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Amen? Now here's the thing. When you were growing up and you had to be in timeout for five minutes. Now, I didn't get put in timeout. I got whooped. I appreciate my mother knowing that that was far less effective than time out for me. She spanked me and I went right back to it. <laughs> but time out, it feels like forever. Sit on that chair, sit on that step, whatever it is. As a child, it feels like an eternity. When you're in high school and you begin to think about next year, wow. And then you begin to say, no, that person is old. And you're talking about someone who just turned 33, right? Time has a tendency, the longer you've been around, time becomes a little bit more speedy or relative. Would you agree with that statement? So a God who has been there since the beginning and even before then, when we talk about a couple thousand years, what are we really talking about? Nothing. You and I look at it like, wow, this is a long time. Now, with that in mind, I can say with confidence that Jesus is coming soon. I can live my whole life, and my son and my son's son, they can live their whole lives, and we can still all say, Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Let's get into it. You ready? The statue in Daniel. The statue in the book of Daniel that's laid out in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. We're going to be talking about this guy right on the left side of your sheet. Now, for the sake of time, 
We're going to talk about the statue and not necessarily read through the entire text. But we find this in Daniel. If you want to write it down, it's actually on your illustration too. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, it lays it out. We see there that these are these kingdoms that now that we're on the other side of history, Daniel was there during the time of the first kingdom, the head of gold, Babylon, the kingdom to follow. We see there it was the chest made of and arms made of silver. That was Medo-Persia or the Persian kingdom. All of these kingdoms would be looked like, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is, they were the sole superpower in their day. Babylon was it, right? Nobody messed with Babylon. Babylon did what they wanted in the known world. Persia, the Persian kingdom, did what they wanted to do in the known world. And then you came to Greece there, which would be the thighs of bronze, the belly and the thighs of bronze. Daniel chapter 2 is where I'm finding this. Then we find ourselves in Greece and going into Rome, the legs. We look at the legs that were iron. Notice that each is a little less precious and each is a little less, uh, I guess we would say powerful as well in some ways. You find Rome that basically was broken apart with east and west. Then you find the present age. We're on the statue with the present age. the iron and clay. You see there it says Roman Empire reconstituted. Who ruled the earth? Who was the superpower when Jesus came and walked upon the earth? Who? Rome. We find this idea here that the feet of iron and clay mingled together, which means it wasn't, it isn't very strong. It's kind of a loose coalition is that idea, the Roman Empire reconstituted. Now, Rome now is one city and one nation in Italy. Many people have tried to attach this to the Roman Catholic Church. For some time, the Roman Catholic Church was very connected with the kings during the Middle Ages, Dark Ages, and so on and so forth, to where the head of the church and the head of the nation became this almost synonymous power, government and religion was married together in power. However, that has come and gone, right? We don't find, at least in Roman Catholicism, we don't find the uh, religion or religious power and the governmental power being together like that right now. However, what is an example of a religious power and a government power that is almost synonymous today? Islam, Muslim and Islam nations is almost, in some nations, you find this synonymous power where the religious or religion, religious leaders and the governmental leaders are closely connected. But I really like to take almost a, a more secular approach to this. I do believe that the further away our world gets from where God originally intended us to be, the more religion is prominent versus a genuine relationship with Jesus, right? So it's more about what we do 
and less about who we are or who we worship or our relationship with God. So I do believe, but I also believe that as, as you're looking at these world religions, I don't know if, if you guys pay that close attention to the headlines about Catholicism, and this isn't supposed to be a class on Catholicism, but in, in Catholic teaching, what the Pope says is on the same level as Scripture. That's, that's literal. If the Pope says it, writes it, it's the same level as Scripture. And the Pope's been saying some really weird things lately, the current guy. And the last guy said a few weird things too. And so from the outside looking in, as I look at religion, I'm almost seeing religion be more and more secularized, not just in the Catholic church, but you look at the Methodist church that is now having to go through a split where churches are saying, I'm going to go over here and be independent because it happened to the, was it the Presbyterian church? It happened a few years ago that there was a split in prison. So you find these mainline denominations in America, primarily, in America, these mainline denominations that their founding was one of, of purity and, and zeal, but you find themselves drifting further and further away. All that being said, I do not believe that the Roman Catholic Church is the Roman Empire reconstituted. I have a heart, and now I don't know what it's going to look like. Can I just give you some advice? The less detail you try to attach to this, the better off you'll be. So as soon as you say Jesus is coming back in such and such a time period, that time period comes and goes. There have been people that have made a lot of money writing books that said Jesus is coming back in 1987 in 2001, in 1844. It goes all the way back that long ago. But, but Jesus hasn't come back, has he? So I, I feel like if we as a church stand up and say Bible prophecy attaches it to this specific person, how many of you guys have heard specific names attached to the Antichrist in your time in, in growing up in church or being in Christian circles? Has that ever been true? Not yet. You see, the Antichrist, and we're not going to get into it now. It's going to come back later. The, the, listen, if you don't like it tonight, then just don't come back. It's really going to be all over the place. But that's the nature of this thing. That is the nature of it. So if I really wanted to, I could be, it's all over. So I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to give some anointing here. Make some sense of it all for, for all of us. But the point I was saying is, the Bible tells us that the Antichrist, the man of sin, man of perdition, there's all these names that go with it. The Antichrist will rise out of, what's the word? What's the word, Styles? It's a insignificance. All of a sudden, he'll, he won't be a, he'll be a nobody, but then he'll be who? he's a somebody, Right? So it's an exercise of futility for us to look around at the current world leaders and say, ooh, that's the guy. Right? Some of you guys think it's Macron in France. Some of you guys thought it was Obama. Some of y'all might think it's Trump. I don't know. 
Keep thinking all you want, but trust God. <laughs> now, the um, secular view, which is one that I really believe, the secular view of this last kingdom is what I think it will actually look like. There will be religion involved, but I think the whole idea of the end times is in order for people to accept government as true leader, government almost has to be their religion. In order for the Antichrist to be looked at like a god, they have to look at the government as their religion, not a religion that becomes their government. Does that make sense? So it's almost like an agnostic type of view or in, uh, really an anti-God type of view, frankly. In um, Revelation 17, verse 12, uh, starting verse 11, We read about these beasts and these different rulers, the, the great prostitute and all these things. And I'm not going to get into We're going to do that later. But I want to draw your attention to this crazy looking thing in verse 12. The ten horns of the beast are the ten kings who have not risen to power, not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. Beast is synonymous with Antichrist here. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together they will go to war against the Lamb, and we'll get into all that later. Ten kings. Do you see anything on that statue that has a number ten in it? The feet, ten toes, okay? Now, Daniel chapter 9, we're talking about kingdoms, okay? So before we get into what happens later, we've got to first talk about what's happened previous to get an idea. Let's see if my little pointer thing works. Now, see my guy here? So we're talking about these feet right here. This Kingdoms are also these beasts. So when you read through Revelation, when you read through the prophecies, when you look at Daniel, you find these four crazy-looking beasts, and then you find these four kingdoms, and then you find the last one there at the bottom. But you find these things, they are one and the same, just different pictures. As best as I understand it, in Daniel chapter 7 and in Daniel chapter 9, we find these four beasts that are laid out and described. Now, the four kingdoms in the statue and the four beasts are the same. Do we get that part yet? You with me? So when you read about the crazy-looking bear, you know that the crazy-looking bear is Medo-Persia. When you read about the crazy-looking two-headed uh, leopard thingy with wings, 
We read about that and we remember that, that oh, that's also a picture of Greece. Now, some have tried to attach these four beasts to modern kingdoms. The problem with that is modern kingdoms only last in modern times. You with me? This is something that God showed Daniel for what we call the times of the Gentiles. Now we'll get into the timing of all that in just a moment. Now, raise one hand if you're confused. Raise the other if you're hoping it's going to get better. Well, we'll see. But isn't it fun? I used to, I, I would, I, it would just, growing up, but I would love it. I would love it. Guess what we're talking about in week three? The new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. It's going to be wonderful because I feel like we're going to need that after all this. <laughs> in the book of Daniel chapter nine. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. <laughs> a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and to your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Basically, there's going to be a period of time where everybody's going to go nutso. Times of the Gentiles. That's where we are. Okay? Well, that's not where we are. That's where we're talking about on the picture here. Times of the Gentiles. This is the time when Israel would serve an idol and worship an idol, and then God would save them. Israel would go over here and do this thing, and kings would fight among each other, and then God would save them. That's the time of the Gentiles when Greece and Rome and Babylon rule the earth. This period of sevens, 70 sevens, I'm not going to overdo it, but when you translate it, you're looking at years. When you see week, each day is a prophetic year. So to give you some concept of that, 483 years times 360 days equals 173, 880 days. 476 years and 25 days using our modern calendar is 365 days when you squish it all together. Here's what I want you to see. Daniel prophesied way back when, when he talked about the times of the Gentiles, he prophesied Jesus. He prophesied that there would come a time when the Messiah would present himself, Daniel chapter 9, Let's see, verse 26. After this period of 62 sets of seven, 483 years, 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, all caps, will be killed. The anointed one in Scripture, who do you think that refers to? Jesus, the Messiah, will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. When Jesus came, died, rose, ascended, everybody was like, whoa, what just happened? He was supposed to be king upon the earth, right? 
That wasn't God's plan. Appearing to accomplish nothing, and a ruler, separate person, will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood, and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Now, this basically lays out a time period from where Daniel is to A.D. 30. A.D. 30, which Jesus was beginning his ministry at 30 years old. He lived upon the earth. He ministered for three years. Then he died. He rose again. Of course, we know all of that. But isn't it cool that Daniel, with these 77s and all this stuff, prophesied that Jesus would come? This is how we have confidence knowing that Daniel's prophecy is a timeline that brings us from the times of the Gentiles to Jesus dying upon the cross here, resurrecting here, bringing us into what we call the church age or the present age. Are you with me? Kind of. Now, oh, let's talk about let's talk about the Antichrist. The Antichrist. We see this one beast that we talk, talked about in, in Revelation 17, the ten horns. And then we read that there's a little horn that rises out of the ten horns. <laughs> and the little horn has eyes and a face like a man. And he boasts, the Bible says. So it's a prideful ruler that rises small, but all these ten horns all of a sudden kind of rally around the Antichrist. What do you think in today's world could become a one world government? Give me one. United Nations, what else? Huh? The European Union? Yep. So we see these things over the course of history. It used to be called League of Nations, right? And we see these camaraderie or these uh, peace agreements that are loose at best. But you see these rulers that come together for such a time, and then they, it kind of seems to be, I thought it was the European Union, honestly. I was like, it's it. There it is. But it's kind of fizzling, right? That's why the advice of attaching something detailed that you see to prophecy will either disappoint you or frustrate you. Can you look at it and say, this might be it? But I have, <laughs> I have an aunt. Aunt. Who is very, very educated and very, very up to speed on all the stuff. And there is modern examples of every prophecy that she could point me to. Some years ago, I remember getting sent an article that they had found a red heifer in Israel, which is a cow that's red. And I remember looking at that article and thinking, so? 
Apparently in Scripture, there's a sacrifice of a red heifer that, that happens in prophecy somewhere. I don't know. I guess I feel like they could fly one in. I don't But you don't want to get caught up and people that, people that look at end times too much miss modern times, right? I don't want to ask anybody here tonight if they're preppers. But if you are, see me after, because I'm not, and I need a place to go just in case, all right? <laughs> here we go. The Bible does prophesy what we would call a one-world government. The Bible also does talk about a currency that is also one world. Let me ask you this question. What is the second primary language? Not primary. I guess that's not the right word. In most countries in the world, what do people learn language-wise? They have their first language, but what does everybody else learn secondly? English. Why? English is like this weird, hard language that any, any person from anywhere will tell you English is the hardest to learn. But for some reason, they've learned that. Why do you think that is? A dollar, man. English is where the money is, right? It, sometimes it doesn't feel like America is the richest nation in the world, but we are. And so in order to do interactions, business with the richest nation in the world, what do you need to learn? That language, one world government, one world government could pop out out of the United Nations or the EU. We don't know. One world government, one world currency. What do you take a stab at one world currency if you can? Crypto. How many of you guys have Apple Pay? No? I do. It's quite convenient, too. <laughs> it's awesome. Just do it. And then on your card, it's the chip. That's a little chip. That can be put where? How many of you guys remember when they first came out with credit cards? Okay, I remember reading about credit cards that embedded in credit cards was the number 666 somewhere, right? Now, someone told me about the vaccine that's coming. First of all, I'm not a fan of any vaccine, but that's, that's a separate thing. I don't like needles, all right? I like to think maybe I got over that in the hospital, but I still, I still don't like needles, Kelly. I'm sorry. It's just... Anyway. But now, I mean, there's always something, and you do need to be aware. You do need to be educated. But my goodness, how stressful is it? It's stressful enough for me that... <laughs> that... Okay, I'll tell you something. I told Donna the other day, uh, she was telling me about the feature in our online giving where you can give to cover the bank fees, right? So there's one time I made a gift, and uh, I was like, you know, okay, I should, I should probably do that, and, I, and I'll do that. And then I made the gift, and then the bank fee was $6.66. I said, I'm not doing it. 
I'm not going to cover that. <laughs> Get thee behind me, right? <laughs> All right, I got to keep going. The one world government, the one world currency, I don't know what it will look like, but it has to be, di- I think it has to be digital. I, it would make sense to me. Um, and, and some of you are thinking, well, that's why I buy gold. <laughs> All right. You never know. You never know what it would look like. Um, Revelation 13.1 is another passage about the beast that rises out of the sea with the, with the ten horns. Daniel also has that vision about the beast in, in Daniel chapter 7 that we just talked about, and it lines up with the statue. Now, let's talk about America. America in the end times. This is something that I think is, is, is quite important. Listen to me. Theologically, there is a teaching that has been around for some time that's called replacement theology. First, you know, let, me, let me say first that echoing St. Augustine that says in essentials unity. Essentials are Jesus came, he died, he rose again. He is the only way by faith, by faith, by the grace of God that we can be saved. Amen? That's an essential. We cannot differ on that. There is no heaven without Jesus. In non-essentials, liberty. So, within the room, we may have people that would consider themselves what we call pre-trib rapture people. We may have people that are mid-trib rapture people. I'll explain what that means later. We may have people that don't believe in the rapture at all. They're just going to hang out, and Jesus is going to show up and rule the world. Oh, okay, we'll jump in there with you. We're good. There's different beliefs and different things on the end times. The official assemblies of God's stance is what I'm going to talk about with you. But in non-essentials, whether you believe mid or pre, there's liberty as long as you hold Jesus as your Savior. Amen? Then, and the final thing in all things, love. That goes without saying. Even people that don't believe like us, we love them anyway. Now, all that being said, there is something that people hold to called replacement theology that has this idea that America somehow has replaced Israel in the prophecy timeline. It sounds a little prideful to me. Uh, but, but people like to take that idea and say every time now that God mentions Israel, he's talking about a prophecy for America. I have a hard time with that. I believe what God said about Israel, he will do for Israel. I believe there's something precious about the Hebrew and the Jewish people that God has a special, special love and, and desire for them. Now, we've been grafted in as children of God by receiving Jesus, he's given us that opportunity. But that still believes, I still believe there is a physical, real manifestation prophecy for the nation, the ground over in the Middle East of Israel. Make sense? Now, with all that in mind, I need to talk about also the fact that as we're reading through prophecy, we believe that this, the prophecy written out is really going to happen the way that it's written out. There are people that will say that it's all symbolic. And people that say it's all symbolic, you can start finding a bunch of stuff that you can say, what about this one? What about, well, not that one. Well, not this one. Well, not that one. I believe it is that it is. The difference is, if you grew up 
in Palestine 2,000 years ago, and you see in a vision a missile go across the sky, are you going to say a missile went across the sky? Or are you going to say some kind of flaming arrow flew miles across the sky and hit something over here? Right? In your context, you're trying to piece together what you're seeing. I think it's Ezekiel where you find the vision of a wheel within a wheel going on. So know that John is trying to write in Revelation as he sees it, write these things down as best as he can put them together in his mind. Revelation chapter 17. America in the end. There are different options for America according to Scripture. In Revelation chapter 17, we see uh, Babylon described. Verse 2, the kings of the world have committed adultery with her, talking about the great prostitute. And the people who belong to her, uh, to this world, have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit to the wilderness, and there I saw a woman sitting in scarlet on a scarlet beast and the seven heads and ten horns. It's that beast that we're talking about. This woman is looked at as Babylon, this major, major epicenter. Is America Babylon? Many people or some people believe that New York, Vegas, Babylon is America. But did you know that Iraq has the plans, the original plans from 600 B.C., from Nebuchadnezzar that they are rebuilding the city of Babylon the very way that Nebuchadnezzar envisioned it to be built. And the geographical location for ancient Babylon is modern-day Iraq. So I believe that Babylon is going to be Babylon, right? Isaiah 18.2 is this weird passage that some people will say America is this nation that isn't named in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, I'll read it to you. 18.2. Some people say that America is this unnamed nation. <laughs> the people in this nation are tall, smooth-skinned people who are feared far and wide and their conquest and destruction and whose land is divided by rivers. Some people believe that that is a powerful nation that is alluding to America. I believe America isn't mentioned. Now, let's just say for the sake of discussion, there's lots of nations not mentioned in Bible prophecy. Sweden, Norway, right? I mean, you could go down the list of all these nations, you know, Jamaica's not in there anywhere that we know of. There's lots of nations that aren't mentioned in Bible prophecy. However, America is the only superpower in the world right now. So if these things were going to happen in today's time, right now, then I believe something's got to happen to America or else it would be mentioned somewhere in biblical prophecy. Some people want to say that the beasts 
The beast, see these wings? See those wings? Some people want to say, here's another picture of it in Daniel chapter 2, the eagle head. Some people want to say that that's America. Here's what I believe. Now, if you don't believe this, I still love you. But I've been looking at it. And I believe America isn't mentioned because America is not a player in the stage, in the world stage at the end of times. I also believe in order for that to happen, America has to stop being the bodyguard of Israel. Because anybody does anything to Israel right now, America's coming, right? Some of the thing that happens in the end times is Israel is attacked relentlessly on multiple occasions. Now, God is the one that saves Israel miraculously. So that can happen a few ways. Consider for a moment that what if a dirty bomb really did happen in the United States? A nuclear 9-11 of sorts. Consider for a moment that the leadership in the United States of America takes us, and this isn't supposed to be a shot at any nation, but takes us to a more level of influence like Canada or Mexico. Right? So, so it wasn't that long ago that America found itself to be less of an influence on the world stage. Today, America is more, quote-unquote, powerful as far as military and all that kind of stuff. However, current leadership has taken a step away from what we call world events. America first idea, right? There is room that says in the end times, America is still present yet disengaged. But again, I don't see how that could happen if America isn't pushed away or turned its back on Israel. Everything in Bible prophecy rotates around Israel. Know that. Now, I do believe, if we can be honest, I believe in a pre-trib rapture of the church. We'll talk about scriptures in just a moment, but I do believe that a rapture, that the rapture that we that teaches that the believers are caught up, taken home, twinkling of an eye, all that just all of a sudden Christians are gone. Evangelical Christians in the United States of America make up about eight to ten percent of the population. Go over to the UK. Go over to Germany, go over to Europe, go over to African nations, Latin American, go anywhere else. You will not find that kind of percentage of evangelical Christians. Will you find religious people? Of course. Go to Rome, you're going to find a lot of Catholics, right? But you're going to find a lot of those people are only Catholic by religion, right? And you go to these different epicenters of religion. In America, we have this percentage that is unique. Evangelical Christians make up 8 to 10%. Now, picture this. 30 million Americans are gone. In the twinkling of an eye. These are leaders in your communities. 
These are church members and pastors. These are politicians. These are pilots and doctors and teachers. These are, these are people of influence. People that are salt and light in their communities holding everything together. And in that moment, they're gone. I do believe that if there was going to be something that made sense in my mind, that made America a non-player, that the rapture of the church would be that thing. So the rapture of the church is that thing. And then all of a sudden, what happens? There's a vacuum. There's a vacuum in all of those areas I mentioned. There's a vacuum of leadership. There's a vacuum of influence. Well, who's going to step in? Folks that do not have good intentions. And who's going to hold it back? Not the church. The church has been removed. And along with the church, so goes the Spirit. Right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we're here... The Holy Spirit is active and moving through us but when we're not here, right? So that's, that's what I think. Think of all the humanitarian, all the ministries to the poor, to the needy, gone overnight. All the factories that stop working because their best workers don't show up. Aren't we supposed to be that? We're supposed to be the one that shows up <laughs> that they can count on with the good attitude. The rapture. The official assemblies of God's stance of the pre is the pre-trib rapture of the church. There's some that adhere to a mid-trib, some post-trib. For the sake of time and clarity, I'll just say this. Pre-trib happens before the seven-year tribulation. Mid-trib happens at the three-and-a-half-year mark before the halfway point of the tribulation. Post-trib believes that there's a catching up before the battle, the end battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation. Okay, those are the three different stances. One of the reasons that I personally believe in a pre-trib rapture is because it shows, it points to the imminent return of Christ. So there's things that have to happen before the three and a half year mark. One of those being the construction of the temple in Jerusalem. In order for the Antichrist to exalt himself in the temple of Jerusalem, there has to be a temple in Jerusalem. Rebuilt. One of the other things is there's no clock for a pre-trib. Pre-trib happens, clock starts for the tribulation. Matthew 24, Jesus talks about how the rapture of the church is this thing that is imminent. It just happens in a moment. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If the homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, he would keep watch 
and not permit his house to be broken into, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when it's least expected. Guys, we got to be ready. If there was a clock on this thing, human nature says, I'm going to have all my fun, and then I'm going to get right, right? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul is describing the rapture to the early church. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, we are still living when the Lord, uh, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, who, uh, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. That's where the word rapture comes from, caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other in those words. First Corinthians chapter, um, first Corinthians uh, 50 through 54. I don't have time to read it, but he describes it also in, in the book of Corinthians. Here's what I want you to get. Rapture of the church, right? Here. See the blue thing? Rapture of the church. Now, we are right here in the church age. Jesus is here interceding for the saints. Pentecost is here. This gives you a little bit of the idea of the timeline we're looking at. Okay? Rapture of the church. The saints will go to the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't like an angry thing. This is a crown-getting thing. Those that have served the Lord in this life go before Jesus Christ, and this is where good and faithful servant happens. Amen? The great white throne we'll talk about later is on the totally other side, and that is for the unbeliever. Now, next week we're going to jump into the judgments. The tribulation, we're going to talk about those things next week. Tonight, I want, to, I want to leave you with this. Doesn't matter the details as much as it matters your heart. You have got, got to have a good relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's important. Your eternity is based on it. Amen? There are four things. I'll wrap up with this. There are four things in the doctrinal statement of the assemblies of God and you can find this on our website you can find this on AG website uh, national website and those are the blessed hope which is the resurrection of those that have fallen asleep in Christ and talks about the rapture as well the real true millennial reign of Christ we'll talk about it next week the final judgment which is the judgment of the wicked dead and then finally the new heavens and the new earth as a fellowship you could say denomination if you like. 
we believe in the end times. We embrace it. We know these things are written in here for a reason. We get educated about it. We study it as best we can. And we're prayerfully looking up and waiting for Jesus to return. Amen? Awesome. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for tonight, for these people. Pray, God, that you continue to help us. Help us to understand your truth. Help us, Lord, to be always looking up. Excited to meet you. Excited, Lord, for what you're going to do. But God, also to know that according to what your word says, things will get worse before they get better. So Lord, help us to continue to be salt and light in our world, in our community, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, reaching out to those in need. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to hear more from Greater Life Church, subscribe to the Greater Life Church podcast. Links to both are on our website, greaterlife.church.